Welcome to the Your Message Received podcast. And now, taking your message to the finish line, your host, John Duffin. Before we were so rudely interrupted by technology, and that happens, don't sweat it. It ain't great, but don't sweat it. Debbie and I, who is back with us now, thank God, uh, she's stuck around, is nice enough. We were talking about that collaborative effort, and we were talking about a presentation where you make someone feel, and Debbie was paramount to that. We were talking about that sense of the collaboration in the beginning of everything going to a central point and remembering that sense. But I also wanted to touch on the emotion that was able to be drawn from the preparation when you get back to your content tight and your mindset right that you can really be present and in a moment uh there's a part of that presentation and i sure as hell don't want to limit you to just that but it is was still moving to me years later and all i'm going to say it was like you basically <laughs> you taking the wheel um and <laughs> talk to me about that how you made that work um, well, you know, I mean, are you talking about the, the actual presentation when we were, when we were in giving the yeah, presentation? Yeah. So now we've gotten through the, having everything connect dots, get the story together, but now you got to deliver a story. And one of the integral parts was what we call the wheel in regards to the Univision and an automotive story. <laughs> and I never will forget it. Oh my God, that wheel. So, um, I think, first of all, you know, going back to the the jazz combo um, mm-hmm. example, right? Right. Every player in the band had their part, right? Mm-hmm. And every player in that band had a solo. Mm-hmm. And every player in that band um, knew the structure mm-hmm. and knew the um, knew the goal. Mm-hmm so that they were able to organically right emotionally connect with the material Mm -hmm. and tell the story in the way that was beautiful Mm -hmm. to them right Mm -hmm. um and you know you're standing in front of a of a a group of people and and you know you've got your your powerpoint as your visual aid to this but there's a lot that goes into this that is physical, emotional, Mm -hmm. um, and getting your content right and Mm -hmm. uh, tight and your mindset right, um, you know, you suit up, Mm -hmm. right? So you you get in front of the audience and and you already feel physically different because you are in costume, right? I'm a business And you're ready. And you're ready. I am a business person. I'm mm-hmm. wearing my business person costume. Right. So I believe that that changes people's physicality right there, mm-hmm. right? It kind of shifts your mindset mm-hmm. and helps you connect with who you are and where, what you're doing mm-hmm. right at this very moment. And I know that a lot of people disagree with that. And um, But it's very true, or for me at least, I feel like if I'm in costume, I'm in mm-hmm. character, I'm ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, standing, breathing, um, connecting with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, physically, right. Um, 
when you, you know your posture is good, it helps with your confidence. And and I know that John, this is a big part of of your technique or or your right your one thousand percent is being um, fully present with your physicality and mindset. Hey, do you want? I'm yes. going to interrupt you for one thing. You just said something. A question mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, and I love what you just said when you talked about being in costume and being ready, and a lot of people disagree with it. This was the thought that raced through me, which was there is, and I am 100% in agreement with you, but this is the that sense of when people hear the words costume, then it sounds like performance, and I've heard some then think that means fake, that it's not real. Um, and in my mind, it couldn't make it more real when you are really suited up and ready in that sense. Is that what you mean when you were saying a lot of people disagree with that or, or am I in the wrong direction? Yeah. Well, no, a lot of people disagree with the idea of today, at least, you know, dressing for mm-hmm. success, right? Well, okay. And, yep. And what that, yep. That means physically, right? Like, right. you know, putting on a suit mm-hmm. um, and, you know, depending on what you do for a living, you know, suiting up or putting on your costume that helps yeah. you get into character, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That it helps you bring your A game. Mm-hmm. Um, right now on Zoom, I mean, we're all in yoga pants and shorts, right? right? So um, I had some meetings this week. And for me, for me, since this whole Zoom thing, mm-hmm. um, for me, putting on my costume is really just mm-hmm. wearing wearing regular makeup. I, I have, you know, doing my hair and wearing makeup and actually wearing earrings and a necklace. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're putting a face mask on and off constantly, um, makeup is disgusting. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I gotcha. get disgusting and earrings can get caught on the face mask. So I find myself not really wearing my makeup or my my earrings as often because well, right? that's why they invent filters for Zoom. For me, at least, I was saying, I don't know for you. But I'm like, oh, nice. I'll just move the filter and I'll just look not as red or not as, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right? I, for me, I love that. It is finishing the job, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. there is this sense of, I only have to get buttoned up, tightened up from here physically, from my chest, from my face to my basically below my chest, and then everything else. Finishing the job to me puts me more in a mindset that I am ready, that I'm really ready that I have the courage and conviction, and that's the kind of thing we talk about the physicality, the courage and conviction to be able to justify either a seat at the table or if you're standing, that sense of command comes, and for the biggest thing, finish the job. Um, I'm not gonna stand up at sweatpants and say, hey, you gotta take me seriously, because um, I don't know that you will. So I love that sort of, like I said, suiting up, costuming up, I love it. Yeah, and that's something different for everybody, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you're a software engineer, you're not putting on a tie. No need. You know? And if you're, um, you know, if you're a fitness instructor, mm-hmm. you might not necessarily feel the need to put on makeup no. for every Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't put on makeup for every call either. But sometimes when I feel like mm-hmm. I need to be especially mm-hmm. authoritative, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, when I really need to take the lead, this helps me mm-hmm. identify to myself, you are doing something different today. Mm-hmm. Um, you are suited up, you know, you are in costume, mm-hmm. you are in character mm-hmm. and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. 
I want to come. I love this. I want to come back to that. My request favorite. Don't let me forget that sense. I want to do something different today and suiting up, but I just want to, so I don't lose my train of thought. I absolutely want to go back there. But my thought was in that moment, we were for that specific presentation of a client that really was almost in a show me mentality. I, my recollection too, is that you talk about the five people, and it was five people, so it was a five-piece band, all yeah. different roles, all knowing their parts. But what I really remember was the, the fact was in, not just that it was a performance, but we're in a field. Folks, we're acting like you know. We're in a media sales field. We're selling advertising, and we're with a conglomerate that works with digital and experiential and broadcast television and radio, and it's appealing to Spanish language viewers. So this is what it is a lot of cold statistics with ratings and impressions and units sold and hard numbers that have very little emotion to it. The closest you can often get is the programs that are airing and pieces of the programs or pictures from some of those experiential events and you're showing pictures of people and you're doing it to get the coldness out of the situation. It's business people talking to other business people where there is technically no direct skin in the game. So you've got to make somebody feel and nothing technically that you're walking in the room is going to make anybody feel anything. And that to me is what I remember. So we got to create this story, this beautifully crafted story that Debbie's talking about at, with a lot of cold stats from cold clients. <laughs> and we were hearing this awesome. all the time from all yeah. the other B2B vendors. And now it's our turn. I bring up a wheel because it was a specific technique. There were so many emotional parts to that presentation because in my mind, what made it beautiful was not the way that we were manipulating the voice. It was that we were reaching in to literally connect and find a way that they could connect to. Because it wasn't enough that we felt it, but we only we not only had to feel it ourselves, we not only had to have that connection between us and the and the clients. Um, had that covered, had that covered, but we had to find the way to make them feel. The wheel it is a was a device that was used, and it sounds weird, but it was a literally it, it it would show better than tell, but it had a lot of descriptions, or we'll say two points of view. Yeah. And that and, was emotional. That was a right, very and the emotional reaction. was those two, the conveying of those two points of view. So um so your vantage point was well so i think also it's very important to say we gave this presentation twice and the first time we yep. gave it we gave it to the ad agency yep and the ad agency represented a client who was actually a group of clients right yep. so um it was what like maybe 20 or, or oh absolutely years. yeah sure so we gave this presentation mm -hmm. and the to the agency, and the agency said, "I want you to come back and give that to the group." Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it, again, it going back to, we were able to make this ad agency mm -hmm. emotionally connect mm -hmm. to this in a way where he said, "Okay, you have just made 
you have just shown me the importance mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what your what your message is, and and I think that the client needs to hear this, right? Mm-hmm. So when we when we went back out there, so again, speaking of you know now we're not just in a room of four people, now we're mm-hmm. in a room of about twenty, and and physically suiting up, you know, again, mm-hmm. whatever that definition mm-hmm. is to you helps you connect with yourself physically, right? Yep. You know, when you feel good, you stand up straighter. And when you stand up straighter, you breathe better. You expand your voice. And literally, yes. you're expanding your lungs and you're expanding yeah. your voice. And that expands your command. And you're uh, not sounding weak or intimidated. Yes, exactly. So whatever it is that you need to do to make you feel mm-hmm. empowered, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the physical connection with mm-hmm. your, you know, the actual physical part of your voice, which is your instrument, which mm-hmm. is something that, you know, again, I had the advantage of learning that mm-hmm. or, or seeing it as this is my instrument, right? Mm-hmm. Standing straight up, breathing, breathing into your whole body, mm-hmm. you know, letting the sound come out, speaking mm-hmm. with conviction, mm-hmm. right? All, all of that stuff. And then, you know, this almost became a play for us in a way. It became, mm-hmm. you know... Or, or an improv, yeah. Um, you know, again, going back to music, right? We had our structure. We knew mm-hmm. the message that we were trying to convey. Mm-hmm. We had a, we had a, a PowerPoint presentation. We practiced mm-hmm. that presentation. Again, mm-hmm. the presentation was really just a graphic representation mm-hmm. of the story to to reinforce our story. Mm-hmm. But the the part of the presentation that that you know that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, is where it was me, you know, white, mm-hmm. you know, suburban lady in a suit, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. Right. And a Hispanic female mm-hmm. who we were talking about the experience mm-hmm. of shopping at a car dealer mm-hmm. from my perspective mm-hmm. and from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, we were both able to connect emotionally with mm-hmm. this uh, with this talk track. So we didn't have to think, oh, my God, what's my line next? Mm -hmm. We could both speak organically Mm -hmm. and tell the beautiful story because we knew what our goal was. We knew that that wherever the story went or whatever, Mm -hmm. but, you know, whatever words we use to tell the story didn't matter that we we were going to meet up in the same Mm -hmm. place at the end. And Mm -hmm. so having a improvising on the theme is fine mm-hmm. but knowing what that theme is and having a talk having a touch point mm-hmm. and reminding yourself of that touch point so that you know like like right now i'm going all over the place but, no you're not I, it's, a, it's a very broad topic i love it and what i was going to say no definitely not but what i would add okay. is that sense of your voice is not going to let you down because ultimately people are hearing things and the way that you're conveying it is how they're going to feel something and that's to me you're demonstrating point blank that knowing the structure knowing the seat not the sequencing but knowing what's the end of the road we have to wind up the destination, John. Hello. Uh, that's what I wanted to say. Right. Nah, right. The end of the road sounds like a dead end. But the destination. The goal, right? right thank you. Goal. Let's do that one. Um, so to me, it's like that's the part and that's the thing. Look, we've all had, we will have encounters, fly-by-nights, 
drop-bys, stop-ins, where you aren't going to need as much sequencing. But what this reminder is, and what I want to share specifically here is, that sense of you can't be too prepared. Oh, by the way, the person that helps me edit these podcasts always goes nuts when I start clapping my hands. <laughs> but that's a deeply technical thing. I don't want to. I don't want to keep breaking the machine. But what I was going to say is, did that part? But you can't be too prepared because ultimately it has to feel and seem seamless. And so that was what we were able. You were able to convey beautifully by the preparation and knowing the emotion and ultimately the outcome. And that's the part where when you listen, when I hear you anytime, I always can feel because it sounds authentic. And that is the beautiful part of the story. But I'm realizing too, I just like on another note, um, I had to, we had talked about the going back to that sense of, and don't let me forget, which I just about did. But um, I was going to say, we were, again, and I said, I want to come back to it, but there's also one other thing I want to come back to as well, which is your voice often can be, we talked about that sense of being able to read a phone book. How do you work your voice? Because that sense of when you have that gift, so to speak, how do you work it so that when it isn't a case of just the preparation of the material, there's certain things that I can hear you do. I'm privileged because I know you, I'm your friend, and I've seen you in business settings. What are some of the things that, you, that, that you're cognizant of now? Well, I, I think that's a really good uh, topic to talk about because, yeah, <clears throat> throughout life, you know, I, I started my professional career um, as a radio salesperson. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I walked in the door, of course, you know, the, the production guy said hello to me and said, uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to call you in once in a while to do some voiceover. And I was like, you know, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really done it before. Um, I had done some acting in college, but, but I really hadn't done uh, voice work. Mm -hmm. And the first time I, I did it, <clears throat> I all of a sudden had an appreciation for how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. Um, these aren't my words. These are somebody else's words. Mm -hmm. It's not like, um, with music, you know, music gives you all the direction. Even, even when you're improvising, there's still, mm -hmm. you know, like we said, there's rules, mm -hmm. you know, but you, you follow a note, you follow mm -hmm. a direction, you, you know, that there are cues there, mm -hmm. but with there, there's no sheet music that goes along with the words that you're reading. There's no mm -hmm. sheet music to tell you to hold the note longer mm -hmm. or, you know, go up here and go down there and, hey, and right. Right, take a pause here, mm -hmm. pause, two, three, four. There's none of that, right? So um, I found it unbelievably difficult, um, whereas speaking is so easy mm -hmm. and presenting, mm -hmm. again, because I've written the story that I'm presenting, right? So... I'm already vested in it emotionally yeah. and I'm already invested in the end game. I know where I want to go with this. Mm -hmm. I didn't write this commercial. Mm -hmm. It was so hard. <laughs> and like early on, they used a lot of editing <laughs> and a lot of, <laughs> you know, and a lot of different. All right, Deb, try that one more time. All right. Try that one more time. Right. Um, 
And then a little later on in my career, mm -hmm. I had an opportunity um, to get presentation training. Ah. Um, you know, yep. from, it was actually a newscaster. So I was on a team and the first thing they did, and you want to talk about, you know, okay, what is that insecure moment? That moment where you don't feel like you own it. Yeah. Um, I had just gotten promoted to a, a team um, and we hadn't even started working together yet. But the first thing they wanted us to do as a team was to go to this presentation training. The presentation training was given by two women who were actual news anchors. Mm -hmm. So they had, so the first meeting they had us come in with a presentation mm -hmm. and they wanted us to each present you know, five minutes, whatever. So we each took our turn. And, and, you know, when you're in a room of other people, you just assume that those other people are better than you. Right. I mean, you know, they're, I, I, I'm on this team by the skin of my teeth, but everybody oh, else is really brilliant. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just lucky to be here. Right. right. I mean, that's, that's how we all feel. Right. No, that's uh, yeah. Me. Yep. Right. Yep. We all feel that way. And what was cool was that like, I was kind of looking around the room and these are people that, that I had so much respect for and I didn't even know them yet. And I knew that I just, by reputation alone, mm -hmm. and I, looking around the, around the room, I could tell everybody else felt exactly the same way that I felt about giving this presentation mm -hmm. and about, oh my God, being videotaped mm -hmm. and oh my God, having to watch it and then being critiqued, good mm -hmm. God, and then having to come back and do it again better, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so usually in situations like this, I like to go first and get this out of the way, but I don't think, I think in this situation, I, I was not able to, and the okay. people went before me. Right. And when it was my turn, you know, I just thought everybody else was so great. Mm -hmm. Of course, that when it was my turn, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to really, Ooh, I hope I'm at least as good as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I was done with it and, and, you know, it, <laughs> Take one. This is take one, right? This is the first. The first Again, meeting. cool. Um, so when I was done with my first presentation, um, the two of them kind of looked at each other and they kind of looked at me and they were like, and, you know, they asked the group if anybody had anything to say. And there, there wasn't really a whole lot. And they kind of looked mm -hmm. at me and they said, yeah, we don't really have that much to tell you. <laughs> Except. Ah. Uh. There's always an exception. Right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, they made the comment about just, you know, being fortunate and gifted with a with a interesting voice. Right. A great. Um, but they said the one thing they said to me was, we will caution you about being too monotone mm -hmm. or being too sing songy. Mm -hmm. because what you will end up doing is lulling your audience to sleep mm -hmm. because they'll just enjoy listening mm -hmm. to your voice. You know, mm -hmm. as a singer, of course, mm -hmm. it's great to have somebody caught up in the sound of your voice and not yes. listen to your words, right? Mm -hmm. But as a presenter, as a speaker, as, you know, a leading, a leader in a meeting, mm -hmm. you don't want that. No. Um, and for the, the first time, and it was the first time anybody ever actually said that to me, mm -hmm. And it gave me just, it, it gave me something to really like a new goal. Like I, you know, I just had never thought about this before, you know, cause I, I hate watching myself, you know, perform and I oh, hate God, me too. myself talk, right? Yeah. I, I, uh, mm -hmm. um, so they gave me, they gave me that and I, and that's 10 years ago. 
And I have mm-hmm. taken that with me um, right. through life. I mean, mm-hmm. and even just in conversation, um, making sure that that when I'm speaking that, mm-hmm. that you know, I pause, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, take a breath, give other people a chance to interject. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it vary my pitch, mm-hmm. you know, vary my cadence, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, and the, these are all really important things to help, you know, again, mm-hmm. people engage with what mm-hmm. you're saying. Mm-hmm. I love that. I remember that's so cool that you shared, especially when I hear somebody with a good voice. I, I we share, we talked about this before, which is the sense that I have been asked a lot over my life, you know, are you in radio? Did you do radio? I'm learning that's not always a compliment. <laughs> so, as, as I'm taking bows eventually, uh, no, but I understand. Here's what I've learned, which is that sense for me is I have to be careful. So the, the terminology, I do voiceover editions now. Here's the one that comes back to me and will say at me almost all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, John. But could you do it a little more conversational? Could you do it a little more conversational? And that is code for you don't want to sound like that condescending sort of. We were laughingly talking about people talking about teaching moments earlier. And I'm going to say, I won't bore you with that whole conversation other than to say that it is that sense of you don't want to sound condescending in telling people what to do. You just don't. I I had to shut off the... uh... (laughs) Oh, that's fine. Listen, if I had a nickel for every time somebody would leave the room when I talked, I would be doing this all pro bono. But the fact is, that's okay. I can carry on a conversation on my own. Talk amongst yourself for just a second. That's fine. I don't want the kitchen to burn down in this. Folks, as you can see, it is very technical the way that we handle um, we handle our post-production here. So, but what I'm saying is with a radio voice or with any voice, that sense of monotone, you will put people to sleep. They will check out. If I'm too radio radioy i don't think that's a word but i'm gonna say but if i'm to you sound condescending and you sound like you're telling somebody what to do no one wants to be told what to do as you listen now i'm in a trillion auditions anymore and one of the things i would say is as you listen to commercial work television radio pay attention the voices are no longer that sort of condescending, monotone, overly radio. So with that being said, that's the part that you can manipulate your voice. I love that you brought that up. You get that sense to manipulate just a little bit. It it makes you more authentic rather than less. And this is the beautiful part where if you are in a quick presentation mode or like that, everybody's going to share. Or if you're in a group setting and everybody's going to take a turn, the best thing that you're able to do is just be able to flip a couple switches. That's all. So as you said, this is not these seismic shifts, 
But if I can build a little excitement by just, you know, increasing the pacing of my voice, if I want to sound excited, I can raise my voice. I don't want to be at a point where I sound unsure and questioning, and I certainly don't want to be sounding conversational. So I love that you know that so that in short term situations and in long term meaning planning and tons of time to prep and, and, and connect that you can handle both. And I think that's what makes you such, like I said, such a dual threat. Um, I want to also ask you too, which is one of the things in terms of building confidence. And when you talked about earlier in part one, that sense of non-linear, I look at you too, in terms of how you're able to command a room by the risks that you take. And I wanted to touch on that for a moment too, because I really believe that the root of building confidence you want to sound good that you you are building off of some sort of a breadth of experience you've been a risk taker you've taken jobs where we talked about that sense that they're not linear or when you talked about that nam position when you were saying things like people were treating it like the booby prize and you're treating it like an opportunity i love the fact that you are identified i can identify you and we talked with two verticals an automotive expert, a corporate automotive expert, and a management specialist as well, too. Um, but I also know that was not always you, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we can talk about... <laughs> Actually, you know, it's a funny, funny story. So the first time I became a manager, and we didn't talk about this before, but I, right. I can talk about that. Cool. I, I was young. I was... 32 years old and I was given a team mm -hmm. of 14 people and over $40 million in mm -hmm. my responsibility. And I promise you, I made every single rookie manager mistake you can think of. I mean, Oh my God. I, I but <laughs> the funny thing, I was an internal candidate as I was interviewing for this position right. and, um, they really, really put me through my paces. It was, I, I can't even tell you how many different meetings I had with the, with the, the hiring manager, with mm -hmm. the station manager, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and it, it dragged out over weeks and weeks and I was just exhausted from it. I, mm -hmm. I had to put together, you know, a, a business plan. And oh, I had, of course I, you did. I, um, I had never done that before. So I was really stressed out. Right, so you're 32 and it's all brand new. <laughs> right. So the final meeting, and I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in the general manager's office and I'm with the general manager and with the, with the director of sales who would have been my direct report. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're grilling me, and they're grilling me and they're grilling me. It's six o'clock at night. It's dark Ooh. out. It was November. I, yeah. I've already worked a full day. I'm, I'm exhausted. I just want to go home. Like, at this point, I'm like, give me the job. Don't give me the job. Just, yeah. you know, stop it already. You know, right. so the, the general, the, the station mm -hmm. manager asked me a question. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, <laughs> you know, what do you think um, are the, the most important uh, things that a manager can do to help their team be successful? And I gave the, the answer that I truly believe to be the right answer. Mm -hmm. And said, well, you know, you give people the tools and the support they need to succeed. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, wrong. 
so funny. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, oh, that's exactly it, right? Okay. Wrong. <laughs> so I looked at her mm-hmm. and I looked at the hiring manager and I was like, okay, well, why don't you tell me? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. What is it? Now, remember, we had already been talking for an hour, right? I mean, this was, it was after six o'clock. It was, you know, right. We had talked about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So she goes, wrong. Managing expectations. And that, now I'm, I'm thinking, we already talked about this. Why, why is this? So I looked at her and I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, by the way, thank God we get to make this explicit when we do the podcast. Oh, thank God. All right, good. Great. Go. That's right. This is you officially it warning took two episodes to get the word fuck it. So now I feel great. All right, good. We're, we're, now we're great. Go. Um, I, I swear to God, I looked at her and I said, you have got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and, you know, and the two of them, I remember one was sitting here, one was sitting right. here. The two of them just started howling. Oh I God, mean, really. it was almost like, I mean, I sort of got to think I was under the spotlight and everything. Yeah, oh, right. And that's why I shot them. Um. Yeah, exactly. It, the two of the, it was almost like they were waiting to see how long it would take to break me. I swear. Right. I, right. And when I, I was like, I, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I was right. just, I was at the end of it. And, Which is perfect. And I was, I was so, after I said it, I couldn't even believe that I said mm-hmm. it. And the fact that they were laughing, mm-hmm. you know, it was almost like they were waiting. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, um. <laughs> and you know what? If you knew who these people were, you mm-hmm. probably would be. You would probably think, yeah, they probably were. You know, they yeah. were probably uh, <laughs> knowing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, relating back to um, what was the. What was the touchstone? What was the original question? What was the time when I was challenged? So obviously obviously I have no (laughs) self-control. You're identified, right? You identify and people better yet, it's more important. People identify you as a manager, a leader, and an automotive expert. And hence, here's the opportunity. And you're 32 years old and you're in a room with a big hot white light over you and you have to either confess to the crime or not. And this is when they break you. And then what happens? Oh, and then they They're laughing, so they did it. So then what happens? Yeah, I'm sorry, they gave me the job. Yeah. Boom. I, I there you go, right? <laughs> Boom. Just like that. Um, so you knew and they got it right. And so to me, but that's an extraordinary risk and also it's you said it earlier it's not nothing when you say and i was 32 years old because look i'm a lot older god almighty i'm almost double that's gross we all are. But the fact is but <laughs> that was you're a baby in in, in a corporate leadership standpoint yeah. and you're still able to affect change and the truth is you still are um and you go into an automotive expert platform based on from I think what you told me very little other than well you had a car um and so that was good and you're smart and you're adaptable and teachable and you seize opportunities but what else got you to be able to take that kind of command and take a risk well with automotive I mean at that point I I um so I started working Mm -hmm. for you know the tv station and Mm -hmm. um 
I just saw an opportunity. I saw a hole, you know, mm-hmm. like, like all good mm-hmm. salespeople, we look yeah. to see where's opportunity, where's the low hanging mm-hmm. fruit, where can I make some money, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I saw this opportunity. I was like, gee, we're not doing a whole mm-hmm. bunch of, of automotive. Mm-hmm. So I took it upon myself to create a strategy mm-hmm. and I went to my boss and I presented mm-hmm. this strategy and I said, I, I think that if we do this and if we commit mm-hmm. to this as a, mm-hmm. as a team, um, we will get more automotive business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, long story short, that is what happened, but taking it to the next level, mm-hmm. right? So now the company as a whole has bought into this as a, as a valid uh, revenue stream because, right. you know, Others, other companies were making money off of it. Why shouldn't they mm-hmm. try it? You know, why shouldn't they put a little bit more resource toward it? So they brought in these people that were industry experts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they brought in someone who was who was experienced working with dealer groups. Mm-hmm. They brought in somebody who actually used to be the CMO for for a major automotive company. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in somebody who used to work for a major research firm um, to help with the with the dealer mm-hmm. business, but. Um, I noticed something. Now, again, at, at this point, I've been only really dealing with mm-hmm. auto dealers for maybe a year, right? Mm-hmm. And there was something that I noticed. So connecting this back to how people yeah. use it, right? I would go to uh, an auto dealer and I would give them really great data mm-hmm. and, and really valid reasons for why our audience was money that this or that or whatever yeah right you are leaving money on the table by not speaking to Mm -hmm. this audience what i noticed was Mm -hmm. when i brought these people Mm -hmm. who were really industry insiders Mm -hmm. to meet the same people they could be saying the exact same things me exactly and it was somehow Mm -hmm. in the way that they presented it Mm -hmm. that the dealer would be doing just what you're doing. They would nod their head mm-hmm. and they would be buying right into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I, I used to say it was like a dog whistle. I'd be like, I don't know what you just said to that person. Right. I don't know how you did mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But in some way, just by the way that they were using their voice, the dealer understood that this person was an expert. Mm-hmm. And I observed, I spent, I spent years mm-hmm. observing other people mm-hmm. doing that until I could, I mean, and I, you know, maybe it was sooner, but I have to tell you that really only until recently, I feel as though I get close mm-hmm. to the same sort of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think that it had a lot to do with their physicality, yep, their usage of their voice, mm-hmm. their connection to the material. Mm-hmm. Right. And the mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. I think all of the things that you that you preach mm-hmm. are all things that these people that I considered to be industry experts mm-hmm. were employing probably without even knowing. Mm-hmm. See, I love that. And I would say, in terms, first off, thank you. And secondly, the mindset part, I'm going to focus on for one second, which is where I see all of that validity, especially there, because one of the things that I'm learning, I work with a lot of uh, mindset pros, and, and that's probably because I need to, but that's okay. It still pays off. It still pays off. And one of the people I work with, his name is Joe Dowling, an amazing success story, works with the University of Pennsylvania. He's his own licensed uh, psychologist. He's, He's a brain and he has helped me for about 35 years. So the 
All of that is to say one of the things he shares is you have a body of evidence. When you walk into a room, you want to really quickly turn your mindset right, which is that sense of you've been there before. This is, to me, when you were talking about that dog whistle, one of the things that I'm starting to realize is because they've been there and Mm -hmm. they know they've been there, it takes nothing to flip that switch and just say that sense of mindset command. So when I'm helping people the way that you've described it, which for me is that simple sense of remember you've been there before. It may not have been that exact situation. It may not have been in those exact same terms or timelines, but you've done stuff before. Look, I've got my friend Joe bringing in my past like running marathons to be there. So whatever you have that enables you to think, I not only deserve a seat at the table, they're waiting to see me and it's authentic and real. That's where you can easily flip a switch. And what I know is that everybody, everybody, everybody has that somewhere buried. They've been there before. So the more exposure that you're there before and you've done it again and you've and that's to me what I saw, what makes you viable and that you could say with that with certainty that I'm an automotive expert. I command the space when I now I own the dog whistle and they and it works is because you now can easily flip that switch. It's like, hey, I've done this. I've been in this room countless times. I don't have to worry about those other experts that my former company, you know what I mean, brought yeah. in. That's now me. And as soon as you sit down, and that's my picture or stand or whatever, um, they yeah. know. They know and they hear. And folks, to me, that's the mark of not just a pro. That's a learnable skill, too. So that sense of that physicality, as we talked about, because we have covered a truckload of ground. I have two more questions I wanted to ask you. And one of them is this. So you've covered a whole lot of ground. What makes you fun is that you are still a present tense success story. That, to me, is just well, first of all, it's just fun. And then secondly, that's the most illuminating part of you. You keep learning, you keep growing. What are some of the things that you would like to convey, teach, share, do at this point? You've accomplished a lot. What are some of the things you want to do now? I mean, well, I'm moving to another part of the country. Big. Never done that uh, in my this in my circle, so that's great. Big. Yeah, I've never done that either. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be interesting to see if um, my skills and my experience is transferable mm-hmm. to another part of the country, right? I mean, you know, everywhere you go, they have a different culture, right? They have a different set of uh, expectations, speaking of managing expectations. Right. And I'll, I won't say you've got to be fucking kidding me the next mm-hmm. time someone wants me to manage their expectations. <laughs> Um, I think you should just for the fun of it. Um, at this age, I can lead with I it. I, right? I remember, lead with it. I remember my grandmother used to say whatever she wanted, and it was great. You know? <laughs> and everybody liked it. Um, it was adorable, you know. Um, but you know, it's something else that, that I, I thought of just now, um, going back to some of the, some of your kind of summary things. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about preparation. We mm-hmm. talked a lot about confidence, but we didn't connect the dots. And I really think it's important to connect Great. the dots. Great, please. Yep. Confidence comes from preparation. Sure. 
You'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how much, and I know that you wouldn't be, but I think many people who think the way to do is just to wing it, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of confidence that comes from preparation. Mm-hmm. And I and I think, and, and that didn't come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not naturally a detailed person. Mm-hmm. Um, me neither. Right. And, and really, you know, I mean, in school, school came easy to me, mm-hmm. you know, music came easy to me, mm-hmm. easy, easily. I don't know, yeah. you know, but, but when, when things come easily to you, you learn how to get by mm-hmm. without having to try that hard. Mm-hmm. And until I got to college where I had to really try hard and I'll never forget the crash and burn where I realized all of a sudden I had to work and try things. Yeah. Um, and somebody sat me down and said, this is how you need to set goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is how you need to accomplish those goals. I had never, ever had anybody do that for me before. Mm-hmm. And if that, if there was anything that I got out of college that was worth tuition, that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned that the, that if I'm going to achieve anything that I have to be prepared mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I can give the appearance of, of being, uh, of winging it mm-hmm. and still be extremely prepared, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. like, you know, when I put on makeup, my mm-hmm. favorite kind of makeup is, you know, spending half an hour making me look like I'm not wearing any makeup at all. Right. I mean, right? it's kind of like the, that's the, the gift, same thing, right? That's the gift. Um, so, so, so yeah, so, um, uh, 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 so yeah, so tying it all back to, to what you're saying about what gives you confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Preparation mm-hmm. gives you confidence mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe. I love that. If you can keep sharing that, I, first off, the world will be a better place. Everybody you touch will be in a better point. I know that to be so. I related the most to I didn't want to do that because it was hard. And for me, mm-hmm. it was difficult. I didn't feel like it. But I also thought I wasn't capable of it. And that's the like for me, the sense of anybody can be prepared. This is the beautiful part that it does take time. You do have to dig a little bit deeper. But the payoff is, as you said, whether it's it's. It's the five-piece band, whether it's the music, whether it is your makeup, whether it is simply the fact that you don't want to, the old adage, don't let them see you sweat. You do sweat when you're not prepared and fear creeps in. So that physicality, mindset, connection, technique, your fear when you're prepared because you know I can lean back and know something's going to catch me. I'm not going to land on my head. And I think that's the part. That's one of the biggest gifts that I have gotten from you. I'll end with the fact, aside from the fact I am extraordinarily grateful, not just that you showed up, that you stuck around, um, but that you continue to stick around for me. It means the world to me. But anybody, as a don't rest on your laurels, you can keep learning, dig a little bit deeper, that sense of of, of, again, being suited up, being ready, standing at attention, being feeling justified to be in a room, having the mindset from that breadth of knowledge that you've done all of these things, and you are exceedingly well prepared. You know your own role and everybody else's role. 
it's easy to connect when you're so into the story that sense of knowing how everything relates um and knowing all of the pieces and for god's sake um you don't go through a freak out mode with tech if one little thing happens and say the power <laughs> blows up or or your wi-fi goes dead the world doesn't end because you're so well prepared and when i watch you and you make it look look effortless i am constantly reminded and i'm so grateful that you shared this with everybody listening that casual and improv <laughs> takes a lot of work and so if anything i continue to underestimate you because you remind me there's a lot of work involved to have the ease of a daddy dubby black so i thank you for the bottom of my heart for showing up um and I, God almighty, I hope you come back again. I'll be really excited to have you back after the move. Um, we will do that one, my solemn vow. That'll be one of my first in-person um, podcast interviews. And that will be road trip. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, it's just awesome. Awesome. I can't wait. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Folks, thank you for sticking around for this classic two-part episode with my friend and business guru, Debbie Black. We're thrilled to have you. Keep listening, keep liking, keep sharing. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, bunch of other places. This is John Duffin, Duffin Media. Thanks for tuning into Your Message Received, and we'll be back soon. Have a great day, all. Bye-bye. And now, making its way across the finish line, your message received has been a production of Duffin Media.